0: So it's all a good idea to do a a Amina Brown video right before I have to speak. (laughs) You know, in in the planning, it sounded like a great idea. I love listening to Amina Brown. Uh, So good morning, everyone. So uh, I'm gonna move this. I'm gonna use this. Oop! In just a moment, but not right now. Uh, So they put a bow on my table. I'm not sure I like it. It was not my idea. Uh, So uh, we're in the midst of a series. Thanks thanks for those who are here. So glad that you came and uh, are worshiping with us this morning. Uh, we're in the midst of a series that uh, we're calling The Way, and it is the way of Jesus. Uh, We believe that there is a distinct way to live that was demonstrated in the New Testament, in the book of Acts in particular, of a way to live that will bring life, and uh, that is life-affirming, that is uh, life-giving. And so we are in the midst of the series trying to discover how we can walk in that way, how we can live the way of Jesus. And so uh, uh, we've talked about uh, over over the last few, I guess now it's been months, we started out talking about prayer as a necessary part of, of the way Jesus prayed and the way that Jesus' followers pray is, is a way for us to uh, discover that that way of living. And then we also looked at just most recently the Bible, and now we're discovering as we move forward in this series that the Holy Spirit is a necessary part of this way of living and that the Holy Spirit leads and directs our lives. And last week we talked about that Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. Uh, We also talked that we don't need to increase the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that that Jesus already promised the Holy Spirit. We just need to become in tune to the Holy Spirit that's already living inside of us if we are someone who follows jesus and so i gave some some uh ideas and some some things to uh to help understand that better i hope i hope at least it did is that i first i said we need to create some space in our lives that we need to do a better job of listening that the holy spirit is always broadcasting we just may not be tuned into the correct station or the volume just might not be loud enough be not loud enough because the things in life are drowning it out and then we also talked about being in the right position that we need to take risks, that we need to be in a position where you need the Holy Spirit to show up, that if God doesn't show up, it's not going to happen, that we need God in that way. So that was kind of where we have been. If it's your first time here, uh, you're caught up and you're, uh, you can jump right in now. And uh, the takeaway for this morning is that the Holy Spirit guides us and is guiding us and building character in us and so since this is a series about the way of jesus i thought it'd be important that we talk about something that jesus had to say about the holy spirit and so it's going to be up on the screen in john chapter 14 john chapter 14 beginning with verse 15 and it says this if you love me jesus is talking he's saying to his disciples if you love me obey my commandments and i'll talk about that in just a moment and then he says and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. Now, that word could also be translated comforter. It also could be translated counselor. It also could be, uh, uh, we understand it to mean Holy Spirit. And so the advocate, someone who's on your side, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, the Holy Spirit who's on your side, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. Now, he begins by saying, obey me or, your, or, or, or um, obey, uh, love me and obey my commandments. Now, it's really important to understand that this isn't about obey or you're out. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's kind of saying that if you love, your actions demonstrate that kind of love. Uh, I officiate a lot of fun- uh, funerals. I do that too. But I officiate a lot of weddings. That's where I was going with that. Now you're going to see why that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, and while I officiate at those weddings, one of the things that you will notice is that love is talked about a lot during the ceremony. Often, 1 Corinthians 13 is used as the passage that's read during that ceremony. And one of the things that I always say at every wedding I've done is I say that love is not an emotion only, it's an action, it's a decision, and that you are going to love your spouse not by the words that you say, but by the way that you choose to live. And that you can have stars in your eyes at this moment at the front of the church as you're about to say these words, but how you live tomorrow and how you live the day after that and the next several decades and decades and decades and decades, Decades, as you live that life, that's going to demonstrate love to your spouse more than the words that you're going to say. I say it a little bit different than that, but that's about what I'm saying, okay? And if you read 1 Corinthians 13, you would notice that the words that Paul uses to describe love are all action words. He says that love is patient and kind. That's not emotional, That's action. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. These are all things that we do when we are in love. And so Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And the Father will give you another advocate. A Someone who will be on your side there for you. Then he goes on to say this. Again, it's up on the screen. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him and later will be in you. God living inside. Now, this is a recap from last week as well, but I thought it was such a great idea, such a gr- incredible understanding for us that I wanted to repeat it again. And I'm hoping I'll do a little bit better this time because I've expanded on this, this idea. Is in the Old Testament... The Spirit of God lived within the tabernacle. As the Israelites traveled, they would set up a tent or a tabernacle. And as this tent was being set up, it was set up only for the presence of God. And as, after all was there, it says in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God would come into this tabernacle, inside this tent, and inside that tent, and then above the tent, during the day, there would be a cloud And that was the sign that God was present inside the tent. Or there would be, in the evening, there would be a fire over top. And it was always a symbol, outward symbol, of God's presence inside this tent. Now, later on during the kings in the Old Testament, as actually was David, David had an idea. David said, God, I want to build you a temple. Now, here's this interesting idea. Building a temple was never God's idea. It was David's idea. David said, I've got a great idea. Let's build the temple because I'm in this great palace and God is living in a tent. God needs to be in a temple. And so David says, I want to build this great temple for you. And it turns out that David's son, Solomon, is the one who's going to build this temple. Here's what I found so baffling about this or so astounding about god is this is an incredible moment of god's humility god allows david to build a temple for god or allows david to have the idea and allows solomon to build this temple for god god had no intent god was comfortable inside a tent here's why i think god was comfortable inside a tent because when we move to the new testament In the New Testament, it says that the Spirit of God, Jesus just said this to his disciples, chooses to live inside you and me. So we then are this living temple of the Holy Spirit. And as this living temple of the Holy Spirit, we don't have a cloud hovering over us to signify that God is present inside of us. We have actions that demonstrate to the world that there is a holy spirit living inside of us so in second corinthians which may be my favorite verse in all the bible i have actually have it on my wall uh, in my office i was surprised I have a lot of things in my, I have, I have pictures of the walking dead, I have, uh, I, I have all sorts of things like that, and then I was surprised this morning, I went go, oh, look at that verse, that fits perfect, and I was like, oh, look at that verse, it's hanging in my office. Uh, so, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter four verse seven. Paul is speaking about this idea of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, about God being in us, and he says this. But this precious, uh, precious treasure, and the precious, precious treasure is God's Spirit. This, and he, and Paul here describes this. He says this light and power that now shines within us is held in. Perishable containers, this version says, your version, if you're looking on Bible Gateway or something like that, might say um, jars of clay. The word there for uh, for perishable containers or jars of clay was, um, it's the first century understanding of Tupperware. It (laughs) It was the most simple jar. It was inexpensive and it was meant to be used and thrown away. Uh, So it's even less than Tupperware. It's those those real flimsy, what are they called? Gladware. Gladware. There you go, okay? It was that, okay? It was this flimsy material meant to be used to hold something important like your leftover Thanksgiving dinner stuff and then tossed out when it's no longer useful. So Paul says, but this precious treasure the Holy Spirit, this, this light and power that now shines within us is held inside gladware. <laughs> that is our weak bodies. All right? So you, do you see where we're going here? This incredibly, this God of the universe chooses to live inside this temple, all right? And then it says this. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. And so in my version, on the, or in my margin inside the Bible, I wrote this. See, there was these little, jarred, uh, little jars that were just made of the, the cheapest material. And they would easily crack and be broken and be cast aside. And here I am, a cracked pot, filled with the Spirit of God. And through those cracks... God's spirit is shining out into the world. Now, why do I share all that with you? It's not even in my notes. It was this morning. I saw that verse and it hit me. Is that over there in that pile there. It looks like the attic. Uh, <laughs> because last week we told you we're going to do a coat drive. Because, we fa- uh, because I was driving by the Mount Laurel Police Department and I saw on the digital sign it says there's a coat drive. And I said, you know what? We should do that. And so I took a picture of it, sent it to Judy, made Judy do all the work. And... Uh, <laughs> And now we, and look what all you, look what you did. You brought all those coats. And guess what? I have a confession to make. My family left ours at home. (laughs) Uh, So I guess who's driving to the police station tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) uh, So um, here's what I want you to know about that. Is that that is the light of God shining out for all the world to see. And it is the living God of the universe living inside of you, shining out. but sadly often those outside the church see no difference in the lives of the people who are inside the church it's difficult to see the presence of the holy spirit in the lives of people in the church often and over this last year as we've been launching this something so compelling and so freeing and so life-giving I mean, this story is so good, right, that God of the universe saw humanity and saw the broken condition we were in, and God said, that's not good. And so God sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven of sin, and we can be in right relationship with God, and the life that we can live is so good, life-giving and life-affirming. It's a good message, right? Why is it that a message that's so compelling and so freeing and so life-giving, but yet is so easily ignored and overlooked and dismissed? See, that's the danger of the church. that when we get outside the church's walls and we interact with the follower, uh, interact with how we live, can they tell there's a difference? And so that's, again, why we're in this series, that we are called to pattern our lives after this way of Jesus, that we believe that living this different way is, is, is uh, compelling and freeing and life-giving, and it will draw people towards us. So this way to live is this alternative way, kind of as we've been saying it. It's a different way. It's a way that demonstrates the Holy Spirit is present within our lives. And so I, what I want to do over the next few minutes is look at a passage it's from Galatians chapter five, and uh, it's going to be on the screen in a minute, not yet, but uh, as it goes up, I want to share with you that Paul is describing the difference between someone who's led by their own nature versus someone who's led by the spirit. And so we're going to look at there's these two different ways to live. In a sense there's this way of living where there's no God present in a person's life, and how to live when they're God's present, or when God is present in someone's life. And so we're going to look at these verses uh, again. It, it's up on the screen, uh, Galatians chapter five, beginning with verse nineteen. Are we there? Yes, there it is. So when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so Paul's saying, when well, you choose to go your own way. The results are very clear. Now, he uses some real strong language here. When you decide to go your own way, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness wild parties, and other sins like these. And so Paul chooses to list 15 different acts, 15 way. And I've noticed that he kind of divides these into four different categories. And so I want to go through, and, and we're going to leave that up there so you can see them. And he divides these into four different categories. The first category is he, he, he starts out talking about illicit sexual behavior. So uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. Interesting, the word impurity that he uses, uh, the, the actual word means pus from an unclean wound. There you go. Hmm. Yep, enjoy your lunch. As you're at lunch, talk about pus from an unclean wound today, okay? Uh, Remember when Pastor Rick talked about pus? Uh, Yeah. Like I said, it's some strong language. It's some strong language. He's making it very clear. He's making it very clear that there are some outside acts that we can be a part of that are just disturbing and they bring harm and they bring hurt to the people around us. And then he moves on to what I would call religious heresy. He talked about idolatry and sorcery. That really connects with the 21st century. That's going to fit really well on Sunday morning as we talk about that. But then, interesting again, you got to love the Greek language, man. It just comes through for you every once in a while. And it turns out that sorcery, the word literally means the use of drugs. It's from the word that we get pharmacy or pharmacology. Or pharmaceutical. And it can mean the good use of drugs by a doctor. But it can also mean poisoning. And there was this connection in the first century to drugs and idol worship. And as I watch the news and as we hear about what's going on around in our culture... The opioid epidemic is overwhelming it's hurting people. Uh, we started a, a new group uh, actually just kind of it 's almost like a round table as we begin at hope uh, on about the opioid epidemic and uh, more than twenty people have been attending coming with their coming because they're either connected professionally to this epidemic or they've experienced it in their own lives and if you want more information about that talk to me afterward i'll let you know how you can be a part of that as we're discovering how we can create a ministry to support those who struggle in that area and so um the bible man still connects huh and now paul does this interesting thing this third area all have to do with social conflict So Paul starts out on the outside with illicit sex, but now he moves inside. Notice these, and these are insidious. He talks about hostility and quarreling and jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, and envy. Paul devotes more than half of his argument to inside acts. That healthy community is fragile. Healthy community is easily broken. That relationships with family and friends and church, that we can cause damage to each other if we're not careful. And then Paul ends by going back to outside acts. He says, drunkenness and wild parties. He's not talking about your Christmas party coming up. (laughs) These are parties associated with idol worship. But Paul begins his list and ends his list with those things most easily seen from the outside, but all of these are equally damaging. And then he says this, he ends with this, it's up on the screen, right? Next slide. Nope, sorry, go back. Let me tell you again, I sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul tells us living this way, basically he's saying it's no way to live at all. It's not even really life. See, this is a dangerous times for the church. There is a, a, a challenge of relevance needed in the church, and there's conflict from within in churches. And so, how we live is incredibly important. That's why events like Coat Drives, that's why events like Chick fil A, uh, gingerbread are so important. What Dave didn't mention is that the reason we have three Chick fil A's is that they kept selling out. And so we had to do another one. So 80 families are coming to these Chick-fil-A events. 80 families that love Chick-fil-A, not necessarily do they love the church. And that's why it's so important for us to be there, not to build gingerbread houses. Chris and her team have got that figured out. It's for us to demonstrate to a world that we may look, there's this living spirit that shines out for the world to see. And that the church is relevant to life today and that the church can have an incredible impact through Jesus Christ in someone's life. Thanks, Suze. So, moving on. So that's the one side. That's living on your own, okay? Now, this is Paul then says... Paul does this often in Scripture. He'll talk about this is one way not to live and here's another way that you can live instead. And so he says, this is, this is living with... The Holy Spirit, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces, grows, or builds into you this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so I want to go through each of these, but I don't have time. So let me just say this, this is the way of Jesus, that when we love Literally, unconquerable benevolence. It means that no matter what a person may do to us by way of insult or injury or humiliation, we will never seek anything else but that person's highest good. That's love. Joy is a joy whose foundation is found in God, not in our circumstances. Peace is a tranquility of heart. It's not the absence of conflict but it's that our time is in the hands of God. Patience, and the word used there is all, regard, all in regard to people, not patience in putting a puzzle together, but patience in dealing with those closest to you. Kindness and goodness are interesting. Goodness, uh, kindness and goodness kind of uh, translated, uh, kindness is translated as sweetness, and I struggled to come up with what that looked like without goodness, kindness and goodness. Faithfulness is a translated reliable. Gentleness is being teachable, being considerate. Gentleness is an expression of humility. Self-control, the strength to say no to yourself. And someone who's fit to be the servant of others. And so Paul says, this is the way of Jesus and then he says this there is no law against these things in other words we can't go wrong when we're doing these things we can't go wrong and then he ends with this and i want to spend the last few minutes here it's galatians chapter 5 verse 25 Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, now stop there for a second, the life of the Spirit, it's the same thing, is that there's this alternative lifestyle, the life of the Spirit, the way of Jesus, uh, Paul in Corinthians calls it the way of love, this life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. It's as if he's saying, you know what, you showed up to the Mount Laurel Community Center for Church, and you're reading this, don't forget it too easily. Don't just let it be something that's in your head. He says, but work out its implications in every detail in our lives. Work out its implication in every detail of our lives. And so here's what I want us to do. To help us work this out in every detail, in every area of our lives, uh, on, in, your, in your program, there's always a notes section. I never tell you to write things down. I'm going to tell you to write things down, all right? Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider, uh, maybe you could do this as a, if, if you'd like to journal, if you'd like to do those kinds of things, maybe this is a 30-day challenge for you. Over the next 30 days, I'm going to give you about 25 questions. And I want you to consider... How would I answer these questions in my life? The first, it's like a self-assessment test. The first one is uh, as overarching all of these. It says this. Do I have these qualities? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do I have these qualities in a supernatural degree in my life? Here's why that's an important question to begin with is that there's a lot of people who love. There's a lot of people who are joyful. The Eagles play the Redskins today, right? Tomorrow. 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 Oh, it's a Monday night game? Look at that. All right. So a Monday night, when the Eagles score that first touchdown, maybe in the third quarter. <laughs> uh, but when that happens, there's going to be a lot of joy in this area. A lot of people are joyful. But do I have these qualities in a supernatural degree in my life? And so what are the implications for my family? What are the implications for me to have love to a supernatural degree? So do I love those who disagree with me? That's a question to ask yourself. Do I love those who disagree with me? Do I have a supernatural affection for others? Do I have joy in every circumstance? Am I excited about life? Do I make peace? Do I love my enemies? Do I have serenity? Am I patient with those who disagree with me? Am I patient with those who believe differently than me? Am I patient with those who may not understand something as quickly as I do? Am I patient when circumstances do not end in the result that I had hoped for? Am I kind? And what does kindness to a supernatural degree look like? Am I compassionate? Do I have a belief that a basic Holiness permeates all things and all people. Do I see the good in others? Am I faith-filled? Do I make loyal commitments? Am I reliable? Am I gentle? Do I show force to get my way? Am I teachable? Do I have self-control? Do I direct myself wisely? Am I fit to serve others? Paul says, let's make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads, Or as a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. Now, this is not about trying harder. Like last week, I said it's about creating space and giving opportunity for the Holy Spirit to grow this fruit in my life. To grow this fruit in my life. So it may be for you, it may be about joining a small group, which would be an investment of time and taking a risk but it would be an opportunity for you to grow these things in your life. It might be about volunteering, not necessarily here at Hope, but you can volunteer here, but it might be volunteering somewhere where it requires you to stop doing one thing so that you can start doing something else. Again, creating space and taking a risk. Francis Chan said this. It's up on the screen. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. Get this. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. It's just shining out of you. Through all the cracks, through all the scars, all these things of God shining out of you. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice.